It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, I'm Danny Kavanagh and this is the Left of Field podcast. I've got another great chat lined up for you today and I'm going to be joined by Curtis Marshall. Curtis is an Australian pole vaulting champion. Now he's jumping about six metres off the mat at the moment, which is pretty impressive. Not many other people are doing that. He did go to the Tokyo Olympics, but unfortunately he didn't get the result he wanted. A lot of things went wrong, but uh, that hasn't stopped him. He is back. He's ready to go. He's about to hit the international stage and uh, he's, he's he's jumping pretty well. So he's ready to hit some big numbers and make Australia proud. He's a great guy, full of resilience, a lot of good stories and I uh, hope you enjoy the chat. Ernest, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Good, thank you. Going pretty well, pretty tired from all the training that's been going on. But yeah, feeling pretty good and excited for a bit of a chat. So you said you're training. You mentioned before we started that you had a weight session this morning. What kind of phase are you in into your training schedule? Do you have a competition coming up or are you just in the off-season building up strength? Where are you right now with, you know, your pole vaulting? Yeah, so I'm in a little bit of a intermediate phase where things are starting to ramp up towards the Commonwealth Games later in the end of the year. But I've just been, I've just come off of an international season as well as the national champs in Sydney in April. So I've come off some competitions over there and I've gotten back into some pretty heavy training over the last couple of weeks, trying to put on a little bit more muscle and gain a little bit more speed. So all those little elements that you need to try and get a little bit better at to hopefully help my pole vaulting. But then, yeah, we've kind of got a few lead-up competitions before the Commonwealth Games and the World Championships later this year, which are starting actually in like probably only a month or so now. So starting to sharpen up. We've done a fair bit of work over the last couple of weeks and, and yeah, looking forward to some competitions starting soon. The training involved, I've, I've seen a lot of your videos, a lot of the stuff. I've obviously had Liz on the podcast before and Nina, like chatting to them about the kind yep. of different types of training that you guys have to do in your sport because you can't just have, I guess, that physical arm strength to and leg strength to jump up, but it's manoeuvring in the air. And yeah, t- talk yeah. to us about how you kind of balance, you know, having that power with the agility. Yeah, no, it's interesting, hey, because pole vaulters are quite unique beasts, I think. And so like, a lot of them come from a gymnastics background like Nina did, which gives you like pretty much the basics of strength, good body coordination, speed and all that sort of stuff. But then, yeah, obviously you have to hone it into the pole vault specific, you know, model. And there's, we come in all different shapes and sizes. So like there's a couple of the lanks out there like me and Liz and a couple of the taller guys, but there's also some like real powerhouses like Nina and the couple of the shorter guys. So you don't really have to be specific dimensions for this sport, but you can make it up in areas like if you're really fast, you're able to then grip much higher on some poles and things like that. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, a playoff, depending on if you're fast or strong. You've got to basically just play to your strength. And for me in particular, I'm, I'm pretty tall, so I can grip high on the poles without having to run as fast as, as say, the shorter guys because I'm, I'm pretty lanky and pretty slow. So that's probably one of my biggest elements that I'm trying to work on at the moment is my speed just because I'm so tall and lanky. But, yeah, we, we train a fair bit in the gym to try and capitalise on our strengths and then we do a fair bit of speed work outside of that as well and hopefully, like, putting it all together in the actual jump itself and then also just putting it together when it counts in a competition is also like a – not a whole, a whole thing we need to talk about, but 
yeah, that's that's pretty much the essence of pole vaulting. And like everyone, anyone can do it. I believe it is pretty daunting to some. Like obviously, you see the sport and you're like, wow, that's so crazy. Um, I don't know how people have the have the balls to do that. But it's actually you don't even think about it when you're up there and you're you're jumping five meters, six meters in the air. You're not even really thinking about it. So it's all just like technical. And if you can like master the art of it, anyone can get pretty good at it. I reckon. Yeah, there's a lot to dive into. I do want to stay on this topic, I guess. So, how do you feel though when you make a jump? And do you know straight away as soon as you leave leave the ground that you're going to make it over? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think you can pretty much tell if you're going to clear the bar as soon as you've left the ground. If things are feeling really good with the run-up and you've basically hit all your spots and you've carried all the energy from the run-up into the pole, you know that it's going to be a pretty good jump. And sometimes if it's not feeling amazing, you can salvage it. Like halfway through the jump, you can like start pulling or pushing on the pole a little bit earlier and working your way like in space and time to try and clear the bar. But usually if everything's like ticking along nicely, you can basically tell if you're going to clear the bar just after takeoff. And like all the rest is basically just a result of how good the run and takeoff was. And then, yeah, hopefully hopefully you don't touch it when you go over, but it is a pretty awesome feeling once you've cleared it. Like you pretty much know you've cleared it after takeoff because everything else is just pretty much so, so inbuilt that you've been training for for like so long. So, yeah, as soon as you've left the ground, then it's all just kind of like your body just goes into autopilot and you just go go over that bar and hopefully you don't touch it. Seems crazy to me that it's all in seconds, but there's so much to think about even as you're jumping of how you can adjust your knees and all of that. It seems, you know, really in depth. Uh, do you ever worry about the pole breaking? Yeah, sometimes. Well, so like depends though. Like we are pretty fortunate over here in Western Australia with our setup at Waste. We have like state-of-the-art facilities and all like the newest poles and stuff. So we don't really have to worry about that too much. I've only ever snapped one pole in my life, which is actually pretty unheard of. Usually most pole vaulters snap like a couple at least, but usually that only happens on like the older poles. And if things have been damaged or like, I don't know, say like you've just traveled overseas and the baggage handlers with your poles have been really rough and they've got like scratches in them or something, that's how they possibly break. But they're all pretty sturdy and I don't know. Yeah, I get sent all these videos of people like breaking poles and everyone thinks it's so funny and everyone thinks they've sent me this unique jump that no one sent me before, but trust me, like I've, I've seen all the fail videos. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's a lot that can happen once you're in the air. Gravity can pull you in some funny directions. Yeah. Let's talk about how you got into the sport. You know, you've talked about, you know, Nina and that having a, I guess, gymnastics background. How did you get into, into pole vaulting in the first place? Yeah, well, I did little athletics since I was a really, really young kid and I was just like this super energetic young lad parents just put me in like every single sport possible toyed with all of them I did little athletics and footy and everything when I was growing up and then I just kind of morphed into a bit of a competitor but not necessarily like a specific one for any specific sport or anything so I kept doing athletics and footy up until I was about 16 and I had to eventually choose between athletics and footy and I went down with I went down the athletics path and I started pole vaulting when I was about 12 or 13, just purely because I really wanted to try it. I saw Steve Hooker jump and win the Olympic gold in 2008, and that was just so inspiring, and I thought that looked so cool. So I went out to my local athletics track and went out with my with with my coach, who who at the time hadn't like coached anyone to the Olympic Games. He was a very like 
young upcoming coach. Yeah, we worked together for eight or so years and just like progressed gradually. We both grew together and managed to make an Olympic Games, a World Championship and a Commonwealth Games all under Tim Simons was his name. And yeah, it just started from humble beginnings. I was never really great at any event, but stuck at pole vault, stuck at it for years and years. And like eventually, if you stick at something for long enough, you get pretty good at it. So that's how I started. Yeah, it's a great career progression for you. Quite quickly took to the sport, didn't you? And you got some big jumps very early on. Yeah, so I yeah jumped, managed to jump pretty high pretty early, which was lucky because I had such a good mentor in my coach and then also his coach prior to that, Alan Launder. They basically like brought me up in the sport and taught me the right technique from the, from the word go. I guess I was just like moderately athletic and I was able to execute the technique kind of well. And just being able to put it all together, though, with a bit of a like aggressive style in competition um, where I just have, like, I don't know, I don't really think about whether it's going to be dangerous or not. I just go and hit it as hard as I can. And, yeah, managed to jump a fair few heights pretty early. And, yeah, so along the way, managed to get the Australian junior record, which is 5 metres 70, which is under 20s in the under 20s age group, which was great. And, yeah, went to the Olympics. Went to the World Championships and the Commonwealth Games all, all like pretty soon after only just starting follow-up. Yeah, that's great. And, I mean, it helps when you're good at the sport, you fall in love with it and you're just going to dedicate more time and energy into it. Have you ever wanted to unleash your creative side and make your stick stand out in the surf? Well, now you can. You can actually paddle out with quite the flair with the stencils, pen packs and how-to guide, inspiration and much, much more from Surf Paints. Now, Surf Paints is a local West Australian paint pens for boards. They're made with the right ingredients to ensure guaranteed adhesion to the fiberglass surfboards. Surf Paints encourages the everyday surfer of all ages, skill level and artistic ability to get creative and make it their own. So if you want to take your surfboard to the next level, why not use the code LEFTOFFIELD and add surfpainter.com.au and receive 10% off your purchase. You've had uh, some tough you know, times after that though, it wasn't, got talked to the sport quite quickly and then you had a bit of a, a down period, I'd say, when you suffered with a lot of injuries. Talk to me about that struggle. Yeah, yeah. So this sport obviously comes with a fair few injuries because it's not the most natural sport that you know, your body really wants to do. And so after all my success up until about 2018, I suffered a back stress fracture, um, which kind of was, accumulating from like a couple of other things that happened prior to that. So in 2018, yeah, I had a really intense competition regime that year and I was pretty exhausted by the end of it. And in my last competition of the year, I missed the mat in one of my jumps and like missed it entirely and landed on my feet on the side of the runway and uh, fractured both of my heels. So like landing flat on my feet after jumping like five, five meters 50 in the air. Yeah. That led to that, and then I had to have a fair few weeks off, but I, I wasn't willing to, like, give up, and so I really wanted to get back into training as soon as possible, and I had some competitions coming up pretty soon after that. So, like, the bones healed. That was all good. Everything went well, but then we rushed into the next prep, going into the next season, and I did a little bit of a, a shoulder injury and then compensating for my shoulder over a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, I, yeah, got a back stress fracture. And that kind of 
yeah, ended my 2019 season. Um, and it kind of lingered around for a, for a year, a year and a half almost, until Tokyo 2021. So I was lucky enough to qualify for those championships in my one competition that I was able to do in 2020. Um, thinking that, that, that the Olympics were still going to go ahead, I was just battling and I was really sore and my back was really bad. But thank God we had an extra year to prepare uh, because that got postponed, obviously. And it, it did me a world of good. I was able to get there in really good shape. But I think just because of those couple of years off of international competition, it all accumulated and it, and it, um, it all came out of the Olympic Games last year and I wasn't able to capitalise on, on where I felt I was in my career. So everything was going all right, I thought, except for a couple of elements which failed me at the Olympics last year. So everything since then has been smooth sailing, but it was a pretty tough couple of years there from injuries and then it obviously showed itself at the Olympics last year. Yeah, before we get, jump onto the Olympics, do you think that you've learnt, I guess, as you've matured, you've kind of learnt your lesson from that? It just sounds like, you know, you were into overtraining, you were putting your body through a lot of stress, um, obviously wanting to get the results and being so close to that next level. But do you think as you've matured, you've, you know, kind of now appreciate your body, you listen to it a bit more and taken a step back a bit and that's kind of when these amazing results have kind of happened? Yeah, well, so... I think as a younger competitor, you kind of just get sucked into wanting to do everything all at once and say yes to all the major competitions, no matter how like close or how crazy your competition schedule might be or things like that. So yeah, when I was younger, I couldn't say no to going for international competitions, whereas now we have to plan um, and spread them out a little bit more evenly just because we know how my body responds and over time, as you get to know your body and as you get to know your sport better and better over years and years, you learn all these things. And, yeah, I guess that would just be called cheering as an athlete. And so, yeah, we've, we've come a long way in the last couple of years. But it, it, it was kind of all going really well for the first couple of years uh, when I was pole-vaulting. I was like, wow, this is great. Let's just, like, throw everything my way. I'll, I'll do it all. And then it eventually caught up with me. But now we play things a lot, a lot smarter and playing things a lot better. So hopefully those things don't come up again. But then you did, I guess you could say, burst back onto the scene, you know. You came back uh, probably bigger and better than ever and your run to the Olympics was really good and it was really impressive. Talk to us about, you know, how you felt going into the Olympics, where you could have been with your performance before you, before you went over to Tokyo. Yeah, well, everything was going really well, yeah, and we'd learnt a lot from those past injuries and my run to the Olympics was really good, except we were missing one major key, which was competing on the international stage against my competitors, which I thrive off and which, which really changes the way you go about a competition. And so I hadn't competed on the international stage then for like two years, kind of forgotten what it was like to feel the nerves and to feel like really intimidated by my competitors, even though I really, really enjoy it. And it's where I, I come alive and I'm able to capitalize on all of my strengths and stuff. I just wasn't used to it. And so I was competing in Australia really well. I was jumping like consistent five meter 80, which would have like definitely placed very well, probably in the top five at the Olympics. But unfortunately when it came down to the day, I was absolutely shook. Like my nerves just got, got the better of me and I wasn't able to execute all, all of my cues that I've been working on just simply because I felt like I was like a fish out of water. I'd completed, I've competed at the Olympics before. And I've done the Commonwealth Games and World Champs and everything, but 
it just proves that practice at an international level is is major key for being able to perform at that same stage. So all these other guys that hadn't had injuries leading in were all competing against one another. And because, like, obviously because of COVID, Australians were just locked in Australia for so long and the rest of the world kind of just went about their business and international competitions were going ahead, except I was stuck here. So, yeah, it, it just didn't really play in my favour, but that's just how it ended up and that's what happened. So we're going to live and learn and hopefully uh, it doesn't happen again. Yeah, well, you should definitely be proud. Did Australia very proud getting to the final? And you, you know, not only yeah. did you lack that, I guess, um, international experience with you, but also you had a hiccup there. You know, you were sent into isolation before your event. Yeah. COVID being yeah. a close contact in that time, so pretty bizarre times altogether there. And yeah, a lot to learn, I guess. And now that you're back, what is the next goal then for you? Yeah, well, it wasn't exactly smooth sailing, hey, but no. um, yeah, we got out of it unscathed. And we're back into training now and things are going really well. And the next next thing that I've got my sights set on this year is the World Championship in Eugene, Oregon, at the University of Oregon, which is in, I think, believe, I believe it's like the end of July. So I've got a few major competitions leading into that one. And then that's the big one for this year. And then two weeks after that, though, is the Commonwealth Games as well. So we've got a hectic competition schedule, but obviously we're going to learn from what happened last time and base out my competitions a little bit more, make sure I get enough training in beforehand, make sure my body is resilient enough to be able to withstand the pressures of major international competitions. And hopefully, yeah, as a pole vaulter, you don't really need to periodize as hectically as like a distance runner or a swimmer or a sprinter. You can basically just get yourself in, in pretty good nick. And it's so technical that if you can just get all the elements right on the day, you'll be able to jump fine no matter really what shape you're in. Obviously, you need to be in pretty good shape, but you can hold your peak for a while. So I'm not worried about having to go to world champs and then like not having enough energy or like tapering off before um, Commonwealth Games. So hopefully they both go really well and it's a pretty big year coming up. So looking forward to it. Yeah, exciting. I mean, you're, you're jumping well already. So with those little tweaks that you've mentioned, it'd be, it's kind of intimidating to think of how well you're going to go. Pretty exciting for us to be able to watch you. Thank you. you. What is your why? Why do you enjoy pole vaulting? Are you in the pursuit of that perfect jump all the time? Or what makes you, you know keep going back even with these setbacks? That's literally exactly why I do it. Yeah. So like I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm a perfectionist. But I understand my limitations, obviously. And pole vault, there'll probably never be, I'll probably never do the perfect jump, to be honest. But it's just that pursuit of trying to maximize and like absolutely just do the best that I can in all the different elements and trying to, yeah, like max out all of my capabilities and just try and search for that perfect jump. Obviously, there's guys out there at the moment who are jumping huge and like the world record holder, Mondo Deplanis, has just jumped 6 metres 20, which like people before that didn't even think was possible. And this guy's just come out and like absolutely monstered it at age 22 or whatever he is. So I've got, I've got plenty of work to do and I've got a lot, lot more height left in me, I think. But it's just exciting knowing that there's so much more that I can work on. And just that pursuit of perfection for me is like what keeps me going every day. Going, going to the gym like two or three times a week and then, doing my running sessions and pole vault sessions. That's the kind of thing that, yeah, gets me through those dark times. And I always have competitions to look forward to. Like I really enjoy 
traveling and competing against the best guys in the world at all these awesome locations in different countries. So that is also like a bonus of the sport. And yeah, I really enjoy just training in my squad as well. Like I've got such good training partners like Nina Kennedy and Angus Armstrong and stuff. So things going really well for me at the moment. And yeah, hopefully all this momentum carries through this year and I'm able to jump a little bit higher and close the gap on that world record holder. Yeah, you get to surround yourself with some pretty, you know, inspiring other athletes. Obviously, going to the Olympics, you would have rubbed shoulders with Usain Bolt and other athletes and other pole vaulters mm-hmm. around the world. What's a, a tip that you've picked up along the way that's kind of helped you the most? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I have been lucky enough to rub shoulders with some of the best track and field athletes in the world. And it is interesting you say that because, like, I hardly ever get to answer this question properly. And it's only recently that it's come to me that I have a pretty good answer for it. And I heard it when Bruce McEvaney was talking at the Athletics Australia Awards uh, just this year after the national championships. And he said, if there's any advice that he could give us for this sport after being a commentator of it for the last, I don't know, God knows how long, is that this sport is long. And it's a long, slow grind. And like, if you're expecting things to fall in your lap within the first years of, of things going well, there's always going to be a setback and you've got to just almost anticipate that sort of stuff and just understand that this sport is long and the road is long and it's going to be a long journey to get to where you want to be because athletics in general is just such a technical sport and so many people do it and there's always going to be a faster or a stronger person out there that's going to be working just as hard as you. So you have to make sure that you're going out there every day, devoting yourself to the sport and just trying to better yourself each day because the road is long, but if you stick at it and you do everything right and you manage to stay on this path, then eventually things are going to pay off. And so I've had a little taste of it so far, a little bit of success, but I definitely understand that this sport is going to be the next probably eight to 10 years of my life and it's going to be a, a long, slow grind. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I, for, for me, I just got to understand that it's a long sport And that's probably the best advice I would give like young upcoming athletes or anyone that's looking to succeed on the international stage. It's yeah, it's a long sport. Yeah. Be resilient. And you've definitely shown that in the last few years. Yeah. And it's something we can all live by. It's important for athletes to have that work-life balance and you definitely like to Mm. take, get to the golf course quite a bit. How, how, what other hobbies do you have and how else do you keep yourself occupied and not always with your head deep in the, in the sport? Yeah, well, so I used to struggle a fair bit with just being consumed by pole vaulting because I've been fortunate enough to make a living out of the sport and I don't have to do any part-time work on the side, which I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to do. But I do do part-time uni, which is, like, not very stressful when you're only doing one subject a semester. Um, but it does consume a little bit of my time, which is great. Keeps my mind a little bit busy. What are you studying? Thinking on a different level. I'm doing Bachelor of Sports Science at UWA sport and exercise science but yeah I, I like to be able to say that I do have a like a legitimate hobby in golf whereas like a lot of people don't don't really know what their hobby is or don't even have a hobby and so mine is golf and I'm absolutely obsessed with it and I love going out with like a few of my training partners and then like a few of the top guys around WA and just going for a smack it does relieve a lot of pressure and it gives you just like two to four hours of your day where you're not on your phone you're just admiring the nice golf course and like yeah, not thinking about anything. So it's, it's really like therapeutic, I reckon. 
listeners of the podcast will know uh, Hayden Barron, who was on just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, you play golf with him. So the, the two yes. of you left yes, a field alumni like do. to get out there. Yeah, we have like this Thursday Arvo ritual when he's not doing his tournament competitions, obviously. We have this Thursday Arvo ritual where we go out after after work or after training and we go play like, I don't know, nine to ten holes WA Golf Club and then we go out and like munch down these massive burgers at the local bird in Stuart Hill. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty good setup managing to get onto that golf course with him and yeah, I literally just met him at the footy one time and he was like, mate, come down for a round. I'd love to have you. And, yeah, we've just kicked it off ever since. Oh, fried chicken burger sounds great. Have you ever beat him? <laughs> I'm not a chance. I will never beat him in my life and I'm so, like, happy saying that. You can learn some pretty good tips off him, though, I bet. So your game will definitely yeah. improve against all the other amateurs out there. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives me some tips, but still doesn't really help. <laughs> One last question I want to ask you. I'm interested. What would be yeah. your top ranked jump? Do you know, is there a jump that comes to mind that you kind of smile fondly back at and kind of keeps you going? Yeah, 100%. It's always going to be my 2016 Olympic qualifying jump when I was 19 years old and I was going away for the World Junior Championships um, just before the Olympics. And we had like a a lead-up competition in Mannheim, Germany, where my PB at the time was 5 metres 55 and the qualifying for the Olympics was 5 metres 70. And I was kind of such a long shot of trying to get that. But it was one of those days where everything just kind of falls in your lap. All your stars align, everything goes right. And I was able to clear 5 metres 50, 5 metres 60, and then 5 metres 70 to qualify for the Olympics, all like just a couple of days before the cutoff ended. In, in the lead up to these World Junior Championships and I was able to just have like off the back of that major success and go to the World Juniors, come second and then straight to the Olympics and that was probably the jump that did it for me. Like did it did it all and like, yeah, I couldn't be, couldn't be more stoked that that happened when it did because it, yeah, set up my career really nicely and yeah, absolutely stoked. It was, yeah. it was one of the best jumps that I just managed to put together on the day and hopefully it can happen again. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I can hear the joy in your voice when you talk about it. I'll have to put a little video up of that on socials for everyone to see. And, uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully we can see more of that in the next in the next few months. Um, good luck. Thank you so much for chatting to us today. It was great to hear all about that. And uh, I think we all learned a lot about resilience. Yeah, very excited to see what's ahead for you. No worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to listening.